Welcome to Talking Shop with Teresa and Bree. This is the show where we dish out tips and advice for mystical business owners and service providers. You might be asking yourself, what is a mystical business owner exactly? Well, if you work as a tarot card reader, an astrologer, Reiki healer, an intuitive counselor, oracle, medium, or, you know, any kind of sacred art as part of your profession, we are talking about you. I'm Teresa. And I'm Bree. We've both been self-employed running our own spiritual businesses for many moons now. We know what goes into running a successful business, and we know how much heart, grit, and hustle it takes to get your business afloat and keep things rocking along. We do this show together once a month because we love sharing the business strategies that we've learned over the years. And we love most of all seeing our, our fellow metaphysical peeps thrive and succeed. Right on. And in each episode of Talking Shop, we're tackling different topics, and we often feature very special guests. And tonight, we have a topic that's actually right now one of the hottest topics, I think, out there. Our topic is become a clear channel for your business, tuning into the seasons and clearing energetic clutter. And tonight's guest is a total expert in all of this. It is life coach Deborah Smaus. Bree, do you want to tell people a little bit about Deborah? I do. I do because I love her. So Deborah Smaus is a life coach and writer, a self-proclaimed tarnished Southern belle. Deborah is an expert detangler who believes that in order to live your life the way you were meant to, you must fall in love with the day-to-day activity of living. You can find her at www.debrasmouse.com, and I just want to spell that for everybody. It is D-E-B-R-A-S-M-O-U-S-E.com. Thanks for tuning in to listen, everyone. Let's get this show started, and welcome, Deborah. We are so delighted to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this very hot topic that Teresa and I knew we wanted to talk to you about, you know, over a year ago, way before the Marie Kondo craze. This is this is how good we are. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You you were ahead of the screen. I'm so excited to be here. It's so much going to be so much fun. It totally is. Absolutely, and and you know this is a really important topic, and I'm going to confess right here to everybody who is listening, I'm a cluttery gal, and I have a cluttery husband, and clutter is one of the things that we really do have to work very hard to keep under control, and i I got to tell you, this is how terrible it is. <laughs> I've got clutter that is books on how to declutter. <laughs> So, yeah, um, I definitely, this is a, a topic that I am so keenly interested in. And so we're diving into this, and we're not going to just talk about physical, but also emotional, energetic. You know, even the way we jam-pack our schedules, I think a lot of us can relate to being cluttery people. So what I'd like to start out with is talking a bit about your story with clutter Deborah, and what you know about how it impacts lives and businesses. Well, what I really want to start with is, you know, I am not that naturally organized person. You know, from the time I was a little girl, it was like I always had a mess. And my idea of cleaning my room was to shove everything under my bed. You know, that was that was my idea of cleaning my room. And and because of 
that background of understanding how I'm not that naturally organized, I really had to learn a lot of tricks to get my spaces in order. Because what I learned is even though I'm naturally unorganized, I need clean, neat, and tidy spaces in order to be at my best, to think clearly, to pursue my desires. And so I had to learn a lot of tricks in order to make that happen. You know, I think probably my biggest wake-up call was when my mother passed away in 2010, my father asked my sister and I to come over and help him kind of clean things up because they had been married for almost 55 years and he didn't want all of her stuff just hanging around. And so my sister and I met and we went over there at, at their house and we ended up with 12 of those big black garbage bags full of clothes and shoes and bags. And a lot of stuff didn't even have, still had price tags on it. And so that was kind of my wake-up call to me. During that time period, I was traveling a lot for work, and I thought, what is something that happened to me? And my kids had to clean out my house. How horrible would that be for them to come in and have to deal with all my stuff that was in no order because I just filled the space? And so it really got me on that path of, you know, I really need to take a good look at how my stuff is affecting how I feel, how it could potentially affect my children, and how, in the big picture, how much energy was all that stuff taking from me. And so that kind of began my quest to realize how the physical world around me affected how I thought, how I felt, and then I really got a hard look at how busy I tried to keep myself and I realized that that was just another form of clutter. Mm. And, and so all that led to, to this belief that, you know, the more that we can deal with in the here and now, the happier we're going to be and, and the more we're going to be able to control our own energy and our own destiny. Mm-hmm. I love that. I totally love that. So I want to ask you because I think that, you know, I totally relate to the shoving everything under the bed method of mm-hmm. cleaning. I think that's a, exactly. a very beloved method, especially when your mom mm-hmm. is like hawkeyeing your room. Um, exactly. So, <laughs> um, so, but but you know, because this this is this is such a trigger topic for people. Like, people mm-hmm. have really strong opinions about clutter and their stuff. I want to ask you. When you dealt with the clutter in your life, and I think that's such a beautiful story of, like, you really dealt with it, what happened, you know, practically? And I would especially like to know what transformations you saw happening in your business if you saw transformations happening as a result of dealing with it head on in the way that you did. Well, I mean, the, the probably the most dramatic thing I did was um, I was dating a gentleman that had recently moved to Ohio, and I still had my house in Texas, and I had a house. I mean, I had been there for 22 years, and it was full of 22 years' worth of stuff. And I took a really hard look at things, and then we decided to that I was going to move here to Ohio, I just I called the 
we buy ugly houses, people. They made a cash offer for my house. And the guy said, look, anything you aren't going to move, just leave here and we will use it to stage the house when we eventually flip it and resell it. And I looked around and I said, okay, what here am I willing to move a 1,000 miles or pay to store? And I realized there wasn't much. There was not Hmm. much in that home that I really wanted to move. I had raised two girls to adulthood and multiple animals. So it wasn't like the furniture at that point was worth salvaging and moving. I pared down on my books and I signed on the dotted line to sell the house and packed up everything I could in, in my little Mazda and I drove the almost 1,000 miles to Ohio. And it was little, you know, I bought some clothes on a couple trips. I brought my golf clubs. And beyond that, it was like, hmm, it's amazing how much stuff I really didn't need. And what that did is that opened up a lot of energetic space for me because it's like I didn't have these anchors tying me down. Because when we have a lot of stuff to manage, we have to have it clean, we have to organize it, we have to move it, we have to pack it. And when I didn't have all that stuff, it was like a fresh start. And that was when I I shifted from my old business model, which was I was actually a P&P and I did a lot of consulting for, like, government agencies. And mm-hmm. I shifted from that to where my heart was really calling me, which was around working with people one-on-one to help them love themselves and their life. And, and my first love, which was always writing and expressing myself and my beliefs through the written written word. And it was like losing, walking away from all of those things, like released the shackles on me. And so that's when I really, you know, my mom had died in in June. I made my move in, in, the, in December. And it was like those little things, I was loosening those shackles. And I began to see how much energetic space I was opening up for myself to pursue what I always wanted to be from the time I was a little girl, which was to share my thoughts and my feelings and my beliefs through the written word. And so what that did is that opened up that space that I didn't have all these distractions that I could focus on who I wanted to really be in the world. Mm. And I don't believe that I could have done that if I was still in that overcrowded house in Texas, the one that I moved into when I was 19. Mm. You know, I I totally get that because I've also been through periods of my life where I've had a lot of things and I started over from scratch and, of course, now I have a lot of things too. And, and I can say that there was a time where I, I got rid of a whole lot of crap and I felt so liberated and it created space for a lot of things to begin happening in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I totally know what you're talking about. Uh, also, when you mentioned about your desk in your office being clear on how it really helps you to think, it, it kind of reminded me when I was in second grade, I had a teacher, Mrs. Larson. She was kind of a mean lady. And anyhow, I've always been a cluttery little girl. So she mm-hmm. would come and take my desk in front of everybody in the classroom and she would dump it out and make me clean and organize my desk. And she did that. And, of course, it didn't happen to anyone else. I think I was the only kid that happened to, and it happened more than once. 
So I remember having all this shame about the physical clutter, but I know also that even though I hated that and the shaming part of it, when I would organize my desk, I did operate in school a lot better. So, you know, there is some truth about this physical clutter. So when we start talking about physical clutter in our office, I think a lot of us still, I'm going to admit to you guys, I have... I have to stay out of stationary stores that are my crack. You know, I love paper. I love paper products. I yes. love having a lot of books yes. and files and paper clips and pens and every different color. You know, so there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on in this little office. What are your tips about how to manage the clutter in your office? All this paper and stuff. How can we get a clean desk, Deborah? Well, I mean, this is one. This is one of my favorite things because, again, it's one of those things that I struggle with myself. And so, I'm not coming at it from the standpoint of I can live in a minimalist. I love paper. I love office supplies. I love notebooks. I love pens. All those things are just glorious to me, right? Because they're so delicious in all of the little ways, the promises that they hold, right? Mm. They hold these really sweet promises of you are going to have your things organized. Things are going to be beautiful. Things are going to be in order. And that's what we long for. And so what I really look at is at the end of the day, I like to clean off my desk so that I have clean space. Because one of the things that I've understood is that every item in our world holds energy. Right? I mean, we as a human race, we're all connected. It's that it's that, that communal energy uh, of the human collective. But every item in our space holds, holds energy, too. So when I look at my desk, I look at what is the energy that I want to bring into the space. How do I desire to feel every morning when I walk into my office? And so I have a cork board that has my favorite things up on the board, if you close, I also have, you know, calendars and deadlines. But it's really about how can I best organize. And I'll be the first to admit that there are times when things get so out of control, what I do is I get a couple of my, you know, recyclable um, shopping bags, and I clear everything off my desk and put it in bags. And say, okay, I'm going to start with a clean desk. I'm going to set my egg timer for 30 minutes. I'm going to go through everything in this bag, and it's either going to go or be filed. And so when things get overwhelming, sometimes we have to completely clear the deck, make everything as neat and tidy, and then put a little pile aside that we can deal with 30 minutes at a time. And that's how I deal with, with my clutter, and it's, you know, like I've got a bag right now that's sitting aside. We've had been doing some remodeling here at the house, and I've had people in the house, and we keep moving things and removing things. And it's like, okay, this is the pile I need to go through. Everything everybody's done, this is the bag. This is the bag I need to go through. But in the meantime, I have to keep my actual desk clean because otherwise I, I can't write, I can't think because everything distracts. It always reminds me that, because when we remember that everything has energy, say we're trying to write, you know, because most of us have to write blogs to keep our businesses going, right? Yep. And so every time I sit down to write a blog, if there's that little pile of paper, it, it, it's like calling to me, don't you want to look at me? Don't you need to sort me? Don't you need to file me? It's that distraction. It's that constant pull on our focus. And our focus is so precious that we don't realize how much our physical distractions 
really pull us away from what our, our heart-centered work is. And so, you know, at the end of the day, you should have a place for everything. And if you if you get to that point where you can't deal anymore, then that's when the bags come out. Bring in a bag, bring in a laundry bag, shove everything in it, put a date on the calendar and say, okay, I'm going to go through this on April 1st, 30 minutes at a time. Every every two or three hours, I'm going to spend 30 minutes going through this and dealing. And and I every time I do that, I find that, you know, 80% of the stuff actually can go into the recycling or the trash. It's just we can become so accustomed to hanging on to that paper, and um, it's like a security blanket. So really, it's just the energetic field that's just dragging us down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you do? You know, I, I love, I, I really like the idea of, of setting a date on the calendar and saying, you know, okay, this is the date. This is what we're going to do. How do you work with people? How do you do it for yourself? And how do you advise others, you know, when they're going through stuff? You know, people, we all get very attached to our stuff right? And it's not always like immediately obvious or easy to discern when it's time to throw something away. My experience is that if you do this with a partner, you know, it's very easy for them to be like, oh, well, obviously 90% of this goes into the trash can, you know, but (laughs) exactly. during your accountability check. But how do you, you know, how do you work with that, that sense of attachment that we have um, you know, to all kinds of things that, you know, who knows why this grocery receipt from two years ago is here still. But it is, and, like, there's a part of me that doesn't want to get rid of it. Exactly. Well, it's funny you say that because I was just having a conversation with a client a couple of weeks ago, and she said she had all of these really nice high-end appliances that she wasn't using a really nice espresso machine, a really nice um, panini maker, and things like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was a, she was, like, so afraid that she was going to use them and mess them up, right? Yet they were cluttering up and taking up valuable space in her kitchen. And so we talked about playing the game with them and pulling one appliance out at a time and say, you know what, I'm going to play with you with love and say, if I loved you, what would I do with you? Mm. And if I loved myself, would I use you? Would I would I give you to someone that would actually use you that wasn't afraid to dirty it? Or would I find a place for you on the counter? And we talked about actually, you know, not rushing the decision. You know, sometimes we need to make, we have those instinct gut feels that yes, this stays. No, this goes. But there are some items that we, we do feel that attachment to. And to say, you know, I'm going to play with the fact that maybe I love you. Maybe I mm. like you. And so I'm going to set you out on the counter and I'm going to see what happens. And I'm going to set a date on my calendar and say that if I haven't used you in 30 days, maybe you need to go. And to have that little mental conversation between you and this beautiful mixer or panini maker or whatever it may be and say, what is, what is my relationship to you? Do you bring me joy or do you make me feel guilty? 
did I buy you because I want to be enlightened and make fabulous green smoothies? And did I buy you because I actually want to use you and help and you help you help you make me feel healthier? Mm. And so it's that process mm. of of yes, we have sometimes we have to be really strong with ourselves and say, okay, obviously I do not need my dissertation papers from 1994 because things have changed since 1994. I'll keep one copy of my paper, right? Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, sometimes we say, you know, I bought you the espresso machine because I wanted to make my own little coffee every morning and I haven't been using you because I'm afraid of you. So what would it be if I just loved you? What if it would be if I just loved myself and allowed myself to feel that affection, that positive energy coming from you instead of the guilt of you sitting in your original box under my counter. Mm. And so that's one of the places that I go with, and like I said, I just had this conversation with a client and we were talking about she had like probably four or five um, really nice kitchen appliances that were in the boxes, in the counters, and none of them were being used. And I said, you know, just take them out one at a time and, and give them their chance. Give them their chance to woo you. There's a reason we were attracted to buying it, to bringing it into our home, to bringing that that energy that they provided to us. So give them an opportunity to serve us and to love us back. And that's kind of the place that I come from on those things. The things that we just can't let go of. Yeah, I, I like I, that so much from like a from a spiritual perspective too because you're really kind of, you're honing in on the <clears throat> the idea that everything has an energetic signature and and you know it seems to follow from that that if you have a home or an office or whatever space car that's filled with clutter it also means that the things that you really love and that you really cherish you can't see them as clearly or attune yeah. to them as clearly as you would if there wasn't so much clutter around them. Right. And, and it was even like, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you know, we've had all this construction in our house. There's a lot of dust going on when there's, you know, when they're putting up framing and sheetrock, especially when they're standing sheetrock. And I was in my office, which is on the same level as our, our remodel, and I was, like, cleaning all, like, my baseboards and under my desk. And it really hit me that what I was doing was I was, like, energetically clearing the space for good things in my business to come to me. Good ideas, good clients, um, beautiful ways of, of working with people that I don't know, you know, through my words. And so it is about... When we clean, what we're doing is we are saying kind of to our God, to the universe, hey, this is valuable space to me, and I am opening up this space so that good things can flow to me, so that good things can come to me. Because I, my business is more is more valuable than a bunch of dusty baseboards and a cluttered desk. I want to make space for the people that I need to serve to come to me and find me. Because the thing is, is the thing about clutter is not only does it block us, and almost like that energetic field kind of stands between us and, and the people that we need to serve. It's kind of like a, this barrier. It's like they can't find us. 
because we're hidden behind this stuff. And so when you go into your office and you think about what do I need to do to open myself up to more business, well, mm-hmm. the first thing you need to do is you need to clear your energetic space. I mean, you know, I come from a tradition of, you know, we light a candle, we 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 burn the sage, you know, maybe we bring a crystal into a space, but we also have to look at that physical stuff, the physical clutter and dust that is mucking up our energy. Right. That makes so much sense. You, when you think of the words like dusty and stuff, and you think of uh, how that that word feels, you know, which sounds yeah. maybe sounds weird to some people. When you think of the words dusty or full or stuffed, you know, it's not a comfortable feeling, not at all. So not at all. you know, we're talking a lot about the physical clutter here, but you know, another another thing that I think a lot of us struggle with is our digital clutter. So like our inboxes, you know, and and so many of us now are conducting our businesses over the web. Uh, Bree and I both do a lot of business primarily over the Internet and over, mm-hmm. you know, the World Wide Web. And, you know, often we have inboxes that are like at maximum capacity filled to the brim. Mm-hmm. What is your advice about taming your digital clutter in your inbox? Well, you know, I'm never going to be that person that ha- that can do the zero inbox thing my partner is. And I, I still admire him for that. You know, before he sends his email, there's nothing in there, right? Zero inbox, which is so admirable. But you know, a lot of it is we have to be conscious of how that distracts us from focusing on clients, focusing on our writing, focusing on our audience. And so the first thing I I, I talk about um, really is it's up to you to cultivate what comes into your mind, right? We want to think positive thoughts. And so, yeah, we may accept the friendship from everybody, but we don't have to follow everybody on Facebook. We don't have to follow everybody on Instagram. And so... If you keep a free spirit means that you're following cupcake people and puppies, then follow cupcake people and, and puppies so that that energetic feel coming into you in your digital spaces is positive, mm-hmm. right? And, and so it really is about taking a step back and saying, you know, the next time somebody posts an opinion or a meme, or a news story that makes my blood pressure go up, I'm just going to follow them. Mm. And so when it comes to the, the, especially like our social media spaces, you know, because the great thing about Facebook is you don't have to unfriend somebody to unfollow their feed. And so all you have to do is put that little arrow down and say unfollow. And so that's kind of like the first thing of opening up that, that digital clutter is saying, um, is making the decision that I'm only going to allow positive stuff to come into my feed, and I'm not think, I'm not saying that we need to be, you know, ignorant of what's happening in the world, but it doesn't mean you have to be assaulted when you log into Facebook or Instagram or Twitter with people that are cranky or on, you know, some sort of political bent. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, you know, 
early on in my coaching career, I subscribed to the newsletter. So it's every coach, right? Mm-hmm. But eventually you have to say, is this really what I want to what I want to see in my inbox every week? Is it really what I see want to see in my inbox every day? And you know, and, and on the flip side, it also behooves that that coach, that guru that you're following. If you unsubscribe from the newsletter, yes, their numbers go down. But you know, we all know that either like if you use Mailchimp. There's a max number of people that can subscribe to your newsletter before you have to start paying. So if you can look at it as, from a karmic perspective of, hey, their message is not resonating with me, if I'm unfollowing them, unsubscribing from their list, that means that there's going to be more energetic space and more financial space for them than somebody else that really does dig their stuff to subscribe to. And so that's another way you can tame your inbox and kind of relieve yourself from the guilt of, oh, I've been following this coach since 2001. I really hate to unsubscribe from them. But by unsubscribing from them, you actually, in some ways, pay that karmic debt back to them because it reduces their cost of maintaining their list. And so that's really my advice is unsubscribe from stuff when it comes to your inbox, and unfollow people. And if, and if it comes to, you know, the other alternative, too, is to have two email addresses. You have an email address that you sign in for all the stuff that you have to sign in for, the grocery store, Macy's, and, you know, all of those places that they need an, e- they need an email address. And you're grateful because it means that you have a copy of a receipt or something like that. And then you use another email address for your business or your personal correspondence. And so that's another way to kind of segregate that stuff. And it's one of those things that you can go in there and in your alternative email box and say, okay, select all, delete, oh, goodbye, there are 43 messages that are gone. And the real stuff, your clients are getting through to you on that separate email box. So you don't have to sort through the both and make the decision of, is this good, is this clutter, or is this business? And so those are kind of my my pieces of advice of how to manage that digital world. Unsubscribe from people, set up a separate email for all of those newsletters and stores that are going to contact you, and and keep your your business inbox as, as pristine as possible. That's brilliant advice. I actually do have a... Uh, an address that I do use for stuff like that. So I also uh, follow that. And I actually am pretty good at keeping an inbox zero. I am mm-hmm. super speedy at dealing with my stuff. I like getting it out of my way. If Here's the thing that I find when you start talking about, again, how this impacts our thinking. If I know in the back of my head that I got an email that I need to answer, I got to tell you, that's going to bug me. I'm going to have a hard time sitting down watching my rosewood with Morris Chestnut thinking about... Oh, he's delicious, isn't he? Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) I was just watching him on demand tonight before when I was making dinner. I was like, oh, I haven't watched this episode. I think I'm two episodes behind. Oh, my God. I, You know, I don't... I don't get to always get to, get to watch it, but when I do, it is one of my my delicious little treats. But again, if I have in the back of my head uh-huh. that oh my god, I've got this email, I know this client is needing something, and you know yada yada yada, I am not getting my Morris Chestnut time. So exactly. I tend to get that junk out of my brain 
so I can get my brain on more important things like Morris Chestnut. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing. I mean, we have to be able to, you know, it, it's one of those things that we in, in our current society are not necessarily good at, and that's the boundaries. We have to draw these boundaries around ourselves. And sometimes the boundaries are really around not other people but us. We have to draw our own boundaries. So that when we have the rules, we it, it actually, instead of like tying us down, it gives us freedom. Mm-hmm. So that we say, okay, when I walk away from my desk at 6 p.m., every email that's in my box will be answered. And then I'm not going to tweak at my inbox so that I can interact with my family. And at 5 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to do my meditation, do my morning pages, and then at 6 o'clock, I'm going to spend an hour on email responding to anything that came in overnight. And by setting those kind of boundaries and rules for ourselves, it actually, instead of tying us down, it actually makes us feel more free. Right on. Yeah. Very, very right on. So, you know, somewhat switching gears, but not really. Many Uh spiritual entrepreneurs that we know tend to work every single day. This gets into the schedule stuff that Teresa mentioned. Right. We work every single day. We work often late into the night. Teresa, I remember, Mm -hmm. do you remember, what was it, like a year ago when you were like, I'm going to take a weekend for my my job? Is that ridiculous? You know, I have to laugh, though. Taking a weekend off has... It, it was one of the hardest things for me to learn how to do, and I've that was a big deal. Yeah, I've just started to learn how to like really enforce it. So I've been having a weekend off now, uh, an official one. I, I just laugh that you bring this up for I think now two months free. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I mean that's that's so that's so difficult too. Like we set these goals and then. You know, half a year later, we're like, yeah, no, next month I'm going to be able to do that. So I'm interrupting myself. We tend to work every single day late into the night. We have things like emergency readings that come up, or we have long parties or spirit fairs that we go to. And then, of Mm -hmm. course, there's all of the admin work that goes into running any business. You're invoicing, you're bill collecting, your email correspondence that we've touched on, like all that jazz. Your social media. Your social media. Your social media. Oh, my God, your social media. So what, Deborah, advise us? Oh, wise one, tell us, how do we create a sane, orderly schedule that leaves breathing room? Well, I, I believe part of it starts with stepping back and saying, do these people really need me 24-7, right? Because, I mean, in my previous life, you know, I was a project manager, and I can remember that, you know, my day started at 5 a.m. in a hotel. <laughs> and, you know, fortunately, mm-hmm. room service bought coffee. And it ended at 11 o'clock at night. And I slept from 11 until 5, and then I started the whole cycle over again. And and when I moved here to Ohio, I said, you know, I want to have a life. And so I began to step back and say, what kind of life? do I desire to experience? Because there isn't, you know, we a lot of us become entrepreneurs because we want to have freedom, but yet we shackle ourselves in by putting unrealistic expectations on ourselves. And so it really does take that, that ability to step back and say, what do I desire in my personal life? 
And so what kind of boundaries do I need to put around my business world so that my personal life works? You know, for me, my general boundaries are when my partner texts me that he is on his way home from work because he works a traditional job where he leaves the house every day and comes home, I begin to wind down and and shut things down business-wise and shift and transform into partner, right? And so we have to decide that what is what are our boundaries going to be? There are going to be, yes, those occasions where like tonight where, yeah, normally we go to bed, you know, somewhere between 8 and 9 Eastern. But I said, hey, this is a commitment I have, FYI. I'm going to be doing this podcast. And he's like, great. So he's downstairs playing his Xbox. I'm upstairs doing the talk chat with you. So it really does start with that really honest conversation with yourself around what do I really desire in my personal life and my personal relationships? And, you know, for some of us, you know, I spent many years as a single mom and then my kids were gone and I was just kind of that, it's just me. So it's really harder to set those boundaries because you're thinking, hmm, I don't have much of a personal life. I may as well work, right? But we've got to have that downtime for ourselves. So it really is that that tiny piece of self-discipline and saying, and self-preservation and saying, what kind of life do I desire? I've created this business because I want freedom. In what way can I be free? And so it is those those little kind of rules that we say, okay, I'm not going to answer email after 6 o'clock. Or I'm not going to answer email after 7. Or I'm not going to log into email until 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. Or I'm going to do my writing before I log on to Facebook. It really is about outlining those things and beginning to stick with those. Now, if, if you're, it's hard to stick with it on your own, this is where you get an accountability buddy. Now, I recently, I've been struggling personally with writing. Well, I'm not writing every day the way I should. And so I actually created a contract with a friend of mine and sent it to her that I was going to commit to a certain level of writing a certain number of days. And I set up an accountability piece that every Friday I would email her what I had written that week. You know, not exactly, but like how many words, how many hours I'd spent writing. And so if you can't do it on your own and you need that outside accountability, reach out to a friend and say, hey, let's be accountable to each other that at least three days a week we're going to turn off our computer at 6 o'clock and kick back, have a glass of wine, and watch our favorite TV show. And so maybe that's the piece that that you need because, again, you know, John regularly asks me, he's like, well, what do you have to do? I'm like, I have a perpetual to-do list. I can always schedule posts for Facebook, schedule posts for Twitter, write ahead for the blog, write ahead for I I do a a biweekly newsletter and I do a couple of of monthly newsletters. There's always stuff that I can do. My, My list never ends. So it's really about saying, when am I going to close off from work and become a human that enjoys my my real life. And again, sometimes we have to have that partner that says, "Hey, you know, let's let's go out to lunch," or that email buddy that says, "Okay, how much did you work this week, and when did you actually take off and take care of yourself?" Right on. I, I'm really fortunate that my husband does uh, try to like nag me to 
spend some time with him. And I, I appreciate that because it's very easy for me to get sucked into, you know, the hidey hole of work. And I think, Bree, that's something you probably also find that you do too, correct? Oh, very, very much so. And, you know, I work with my husband <coughs> and I have a five-year-old. And so having a five-year-old I think is a great remedy for this because he will get after me and say, you know, Mommy, like, where are you? What is going on? And and really reminds me to be mindful. And I grew my business as he was growing. You know, the first year that I was full-time, I also got pregnant with him. And so that's been really interesting because, you know, I think having a little one you really do become aware of how precious your time is and yes. you really want you want to maximize that and make sure that you're doing right by your business but also remembering what I always tell myself and I remind my husband when he gets into like work mode is you know our business is here to support our life our life is not here right. to support our business mm. I love right. that Right yeah, on. That's, and that's, that's, that's a helpful thing. one to remember. <laughs> we don't we don't live to work. We we should work to live. Yeah. And I think we forget I think we forget that pretty often. And again, it is those little reminders like a, a child that looks at us and says, "Okay, mom, are you done now? Can mm-hmm. we like play yeah. a game, right?" Or a partner that comes in from the office and they've walked away from work. And yet, it would be easy for us to stay in that work mode 24-7. Because the thing is, is if somebody is in business, like like I think the three of us are, we all dearly love the work we do, right? Yep. And so it hmm. is walking away from something we dearly love. But we have to also step back and say, I dearly love my work. It, it fuels me. It nourishes me. But the people in my life... Gosh, they set my they set my heart on fire. Yeah, right. Yeah, and so I need That's to right. fuel that. I need to fuel that flame. I need to fuel that flame too. So I need to fuel my own inner need to to pursue my passions, which for most of us is like, you know, at least most of us on this call, it's the work that we do, right? I mean, that really. To be able to be on the phone with a client and have that breakthrough, to have that aha moment where they say, you know, when we first started working together, I saw myself as this shattered vase on the ground. And now I see myself as that beautiful vase that's been repaired with all of the gold in between, like like the the, the Chinese do. But that's how I feel about mm-hmm. my life now. Yeah. And that's really loving and nourishing. And it, we know that we're doing the right soul work. But we can't do that kind of soul work and and help other people reach that space without also nourishing the people that we've committed to, whether it be partners or husbands or children or, a, you know, a yoga class we teach on a random Thursday night. Those are all ways that we nourish ourselves and the people that we love too. And so that's where I come in. And, and my and the time is, is like as I, as I get older, I'm better able to set those boundaries to say with my clients that, hey, I will work with you as early as 7.30 in the morning, but I don't do calls after 4 and I don't do calls on the weekends. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about how you, when you work with clients, you have breakthroughs. And 
you know, of course, I know with my work I do that too. And then I also noticed on your site that you said clutter of all sizes can block you from achieving your dreams. So do you think then removing clutter is like a way to create breakthroughs so people can have the life they want? I think it's a real quick way to create breakthroughs because, you know, a lot of times we surround ourselves with stuff as a substitution for what we don't have. You know, a lot of times it's love, you know. Uh, it's nourishment. And so when we surround our th- ourselves with stuff to fill a an emotional hole, then actually what that's doing is, so we say we want to feel loved, and so we buy shoes for ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. And so we buy all these beautiful shoes, and they're wonderful, but they're actually a barrier to opening ourselves up to love. And so you look at something and you say, it's just a pair of shoes. But yet we're so busy polishing those shoes and keeping them from being stuck that we don't give any energy or open ourselves up to being loved by another human because we put all that energy on that. And so big or small, all the things that we surround us either opens us up or blocks people from getting into our energetic space. Mm-hmm. Because everything is energy, and right. so when, when you when you buy stuff in order to fill that energetic need, or you know when you eat your feelings, or when you exercise, you know over exercise because you're stressed. All of those things are that that channeling that energy to almost an addiction or stuff or energy and that addiction blocks out everybody else. Right? Because we don't even love ourselves. We're proving that we don't love ourselves enough to allow anyone else to even love us. And so, yeah, that blocks us from from being loved, but also blocks Mm -hmm. us from our dreams because it's that distraction. Well, I will start writing my book when I get this house in order. But we all know from clutter, I mean, it just just grows. And so what it does is it stands between us and our desires. And, and, you know, it's become really clear to me with our remodeling project where I've had people in my house since, you know, the last week of January. And it's like their energy and us moving stuff around, I am not working on my next book. I'm just not working on it like I should. And I've been really honest with myself and said, you know, it's the energetic clutter, it's the physical disarray that's distracting me from focusing on my next book. But what happens when we're not aware of that is all of this clutter, all of this stuff keeps us from pursuing what we really want to do. We don't write a book. We don't create a program. We don't start a blog. We don't start a business because we have all these other things to deal with. You know, there's the pile in the kitchen and the pile in the, in the under the bed and the pile in the closet and the stack of papers on our desk and all those things say, oh, well, I'll get to it when. It's that if-then if game. We play with ourselves. No matter how small or big the clutter is, whatever's in the way, we play that if-then if game with ourselves and say, well, 
if I lose 30 pounds, if I write the novel, then I will get to be happy. Then I will create my business. But the problem is, is, you know, life is too fluid for that. We never get to the then space, right? Because it's always out there. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Very much so. So I want to ask as our final question, what changes do you see your entrepreneur clients experiencing if they follow your ideas about decluttering? And do you have a way that you can help people that are listening in on this call and people who would like to work with you? Like, where do they go? Yes. Well, I mean, the one thing I've noticed is that when people begin to step away from the clutter, they really do notice a sense of freedom. And when we have a sense of freedom, it allows us to really pursue what we desire. You know, it it reminds us that we are worthy of pursuing our dreams, of pursuing those, you know, whether it's a business or writing a book. And, you know, the first thing I, I suggest to people is clean your room, clean your office so that you have one really serene space to work in. And um, when y'all had asked me to do this call, and then I had the experience where I was down on my knees, swiping down the baseboards at my desk, and and I created a new course. I have a series of 30-day courses that, um, I mean, they're really affordable. They're like $21 a piece. And so I created a new course that I'm going to start um, next month that is about setting up your your home office as clearing the clutter and actually setting up some systems so that you can, you know, have a way to track your files and track the clients and stuff like that. Because it's kind of hard for those of us that, because a lot of times, you know, research is showing that creative geniuses are naturally messy, that they naturally have messy desks and stuff like that. But the problem is, is that mess keeps us from really focusing on our desires. And so I have some of those tricks that I've learned over time of how to, like, harness our energy towards having that serene space to work in. And so that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. And people can find you and they can find uh, these wonderful things that you're creating for them at www.deborasmouse.com. So for everyone who is listening, I really want to encourage you guys to check out Deborah's world. She is amazing at what she does. And this show tonight has really been phenomenal. Uh, I really enjoyed listening to your insights, and I was nodding my head and taking some notes here. So I think this is something that so many of us really needed to hear, Deborah. I really want to thank you so much for spending time past your bedtime with us tonight. This is just divine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This has been fun. You know, again, it's one of those topics that I could talk to from a million ways to Sunday about how just clearing a little bit of space for ourselves and our lives um, opens ourselves up to that energetic space of desiring things into our world. And that's a really great way to wrap things up. And, you know, we are getting near the top of the hour and uh, we are getting ready to complete. So, you know, there's a lot of takeaways here. 
So, Bree, what was your biggest takeaway or favorite nugget of advice from everything that we talked about tonight with Deborah? Well, I love everything about Deborah, and I love everything she said because um, I love Deborah. <laughs> but I really liked the point that that she made about. Uh, you know, if you have things that you're not sure about, right, because I'm a Libra, so, like, I can definitely spiral into indecision mode where I'm like, well, I don't know. I haven't used the panini press that I got from my marriage, you know, when I got married in, like, eight years, but maybe this is the year. I really like the advice of take it out, let it see the light of day, and, and you know, see what kind of relationship you have with it. Like, are you in love with it? Are you maybe in like with it? Are you maybe going to see other people? I think that that's really, really a useful way to to think about it and, and kind of takes the pressure off of having to make an immediate decision but also brings you into a real conscious state with whatever it is that you're thinking about so that you know that the decision is going to be made at some point in the near future. I dig that. What yes. about you, Teresa, what was your favorite takeaway, your little favorite nugget of advice? Well, I do like also the whole thing that, that you just uh, talked about, that, uh, that that process is really awesome and it's fun and it's got a little playfulness to it, so it takes some of that you know dreadful feeling around, oh, my God, I'm throwing stuff out. In fact, I have to laugh because I have a... I have this rotisserie, this chicken rotisserie thing that I want to throw out. It's actually from my ex-husband. It's like 15 years old. I haven't used it in like 10 years. It's been tucked in there, but my husband, I have to like do it when he's not around. I, I want to like throw it out and get rid of it. So I, I, I certainly want it to go. I want this thing to go be with other people. <laughs> but I also love what you said, Deborah, about the desk. Because that, you know, the messy desk, my desk is orderly, but there's a lot of stuff on it. So I think I'm going to start working on that and really see how that does free up my creativity. I think I need to do that. I don't want to go back to those days of Mrs. Larson throwing my desk over. I think, I think it's time for yeah. me to get this lesson over because your, um, what you said about it really makes a lot of sense. So I love that. Good. Good. And, you know, towards the end of each of our episodes, we love to share a few fun tidbits. And this might be the books we've been reading, blogs we're totally obsessing about, maybe our favorite songs, our TV shows, food, all that kind of stuff. You know, just some fun stuff that we want you, our wonderful listeners, to maybe take a peek at. Might It might be stuff you might enjoy discovering, too. And sometimes we might be sharing business-related recommendations, sometimes not. Because you know what? We are not one-trick metaphysical business ponies. We don't just talk about business stuff 24-7. Oh, my goodness, and thank goodness for that. (laughs) Thank goodness for that, seriously. So, Teresa, tell us, is there something that you're super into right now? Is there a new discovery or something that you are just loving on? Oh, yes. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> two books that I'm reading right now. I got, I, in fact, I just did an interview with Margaret Ann Lembo, and it's on my on my blog. 
and she's this wonderful author, and I've been a fan of her crystal book. She has a new book that just came out called The Essential Guide to Aromatherapy and Vibrational Healing, and it is just a phenomenal book. It's like a little encyclopedia with all this information on scents, and I'm a very scent-oriented person, and so it's got just phenomenal, wonderful, comprehensive energy not energy, but information. Talk about energy. This thing does have energy, but really information about how to use, you know, aromatherapy in all these really different ways. So I've been totally digging this book, and I also got an early copy of Chris Gillibo's new book, and it's coming out in just a few days, maybe I think a day or two. But it's called Born for This, and it is a book about finding the work that you're meant to do. And I think this is something that everybody who has a dream of something they want to do, that they've always wanted to do, and they just don't know how to go about it or how some of us ended up in our dream careers, I think it's going to be a book for people like that. It's going to speak to them. It is such an incredible book. I've been like highlighting, marking places off in here. It's got wonderful information on side hustles, about being self-employed, um, you know, how to just really become and do whatever it is that you've always wanted to do. So I think this is this is like the book that people need to get. What about you, Bree? What's something oh, that you're goodness. obsessed with? No, I, was, I, I like both of those things. You know, I have been I have been in like birthday mode this month. As you know, both my boys are Pisces, and I have been in travel mode this month. So I've really been into like, taking time when I'm traveling to go for a long walk. I go for an hour-long walk with my husband every morning. That's how we start our business day. And sometimes we talk about business, and sometimes we talk about things that have nothing to do with business, and sometimes, like, I take berries off of trees and eat them to see if they're ripe, you know, because that's the kind of girl that I am. So when I travel, I typically don't get my walk in, and I've been really just, you know, kind of obsessed and a little persnickety about making sure that when I'm, you know, in a new place, I get outside and I go walk around and I get to know the plants and the terrain, and that has been really satisfying and has kept me grounded as I have been traveling to all of these awesome places that I've gotten to go to this past month. And the other thing that I'm really into is I am reading a book that was put out <clears throat> by, um, I want to say it's Scarlet Imprint, I believe, by Gordon White called Starships. And it is, Gordon White has a pretty beloved magical blog called Rune Soup. And this book, Starships, is really about um, like early, early uh, cosmology and spiritual history of the world and, and looking at how certain aspects of astrology, um, you know, play into that, but also looking at, at some of the biases that have been inherent in academia as we talk about archaeological finds and geological tables and all that kind of stuff. So it's a little heady, but it's been really interesting and fun to read as well. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. Those were awesome tidbits. And I think, last but not least, do we have some announcements? Teresa, is there anything 
that's happening in Tarot Lady World that our listeners need to know about? A few things. Of course, I just got a tiny little preview of the design for my book, the Tarot Coloring Book. We, yeah, I know, you guys. I'm so excited. Yay. Soon I'm going to be getting a little physical copy that I get to look over. I think they call it oh a galley. Gosh. That and then after that, after exciting. I sign it off, it's, yeah, I know it's going to go into production, so that's the big thing. Also, in April, I am going to the Reader Studio, and that is the biggest tarot conference in the world. I'm going to be teaching a little evening workshop on intellectual property rights for tarot readers. So that's the big thing that's coming up for me. What about you, Bree? Well, I will see you at the end of April at the Reader's Conference. I'm super excited. This will be my first year of attending, and I think it's going to be awesome. And the other big news is that the launch date for Spinning Gold 2016 and 2017, that's my year-long course on living an enchanted life in fairy tales, will open on May 1st. So we moved it up a couple of months from its old opening date because people have been emailing me nonstop asking me when they can register. So it will open on May 1st. That is the big news that's happening in Milagro Roots land. Mm. Yay. And what about you, Deb? you want to tell us anything going on, any upcoming classes, your new projects that you want our listeners to know about? Well, if people haven't read it yet, I really recommend Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic book about creativity and and the birth of ideas and stuff like that. I read the book and then I listened to it on audio and I got like a totally different piece of things from it. So I recently re-listened to it when I was in California last week and driving between Monterey and San Jose to go see my daughter. And then my next class coming up is I do have that 30 Days to Clarity, the home office edition, where I'm going to do 30 days for an individual email every day coming in August where we're going to walk through cleaning the clutter in your space, cleaning your office, and setting up some systems so that you can be successful as you kind of move forward towards your business. And they can find that where? At um, DebraSmouse.com, and it'll take you, I've got that right on my front page, D-E-B-R-A-S-M-O-U-S-E.com, and that click on it, it'll take you to my Gumroad page that will give you a little introductory to the class, and which will then funnel you into my MailChimp account that will send you that, that daily email for 30 days when the class begins. Well, I know I'll be the first one signing up for that because I need it. So, <laughs> thank you so much. And so before we sign up, just a happy reminder, if you love Talking Shop, don't forget that you can listen to all of the previous shows for free by visiting the Talking Shop archives. You can find that at thetarolady.com. You're going to want to hit on the tab called Free Resources and just hop on down to Talking Shop and you'll find all the jazz there. Uh, Bree, where can they find us on your page? If you go to com and you mouse over the Work With Me tab, you will see Talking Shop listed right there. And you can click on that, and we'll have the current show, the upcoming show will be up, and you have a link to all of the archived shows as well. And you can also find us on iTunes, too. Look for Talking Shop with Teresa and Bree. So, okay, folks, that is a wrap for this episode. 
And we hope that you will all join us again next month for another round of Talking Shop. This time we will be talking on April 20th at 8 p.m. And we are going to talk about money, thank heavens, with financial therapist Barry Tesler, author of the upcoming, coming out soon, coming out now, Art of Money book. Yes, and that book, I believe, is on pre-order, guys, so you certainly want to get that one. It is awesome. Barry is amazing. Teresa and I both love her. I met up with her last summer for coffee. She is a delight. She sure is. So, uh, once again, thank you to Deborah for joining us tonight and for everybody. Until our next show, you can find me, Teresa, at www.thetarolady.com. And you can find me, Bree, at briannasaucy.com. Thanks again, Thanks for again for listening. Yay. And remember, guys, to keep taking action to build a mystical business of your dreams. Stay on your grind and make it a great month. We know that you will, and we will talk with you all next month. You guys take care and have a great night. Good night. Good night, everyone. Good night.